Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Let me just situate some of this. Um, sure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Yeah, I just want to share a little bit tonight, and then we're gonna we're gonna worship the Lord and just just fellowship with Him. Amen. Um, so, Father, thank you right now, Lord, that we are here, Lord, together as your people, Lord, to to love you, to honor you, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just come, Lord, into wanting to know you, to love you, Lord, to know who you are, Lord. And also, Lord, just continuing, Lord, to root ourselves in this faith, Lord, of knowing what you've done, Lord, for us was enough. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your son, Jesus. I pray that we would never forget, Lord, that that is, that is what marks our life. That is the purpose of our, our life is to bring you glory and to bring you honor, Lord. So we, we thank you and we honor you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I, amen. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about, um, I was reading a, uh, something and I'd read it a while back actually. And it was a, a devotional from um, Oswald Chambers in one of his, his devotionals. It's my utmost for his highest. And there was a, there was a section. Yeah, that one's, it's so good. Um, and I, I journal a lot. And I, I had wrote something down a while back. Um, but he was talking about, like, he was basically talking about how a lot of times we can live for rare moments. You know, we can live for inspiration from God. Uh, instead of actually wanting God, and and there's one in particular, and he he says in second well in the Bible in Second Corinthians five seven you know it says that scripture we live by faith and not by sight, and so we as believers it's like I have to live my life in faith without even seeing Him you know this faith is it, it it's it's secured in who he is and not in what we can do. Amen. And so there's a time though, where we can, we're conscious of God's attention, you know, um, of his closeness, uh, where we can, we're, we're aware of it, but then there's somewhere down the line where he begins to maybe use us in, in his, in his plans. Um, he, you know, there's things that, that happen within our lives, um, certain, certain endeavors. And, and, and then we end up, you know, whether it's good or whether it's bad, trials, whatever it might be, we end up, you know, living in those trials and those difficulties, forgetting our faith. We forget who we live for. We forget whose we are. Um, everything around us can sometimes, thank you, <laughs> um, everything around us can sometimes clash with the consciousness that God is real and God is near and then he's with us. And, and so all the time, though, you know, and we as, as believers, 
you know, God is really in those midst of those things. He's really just trying to make us aware that he has never left. He's been here and to, he's make, wanting to make us aware of our duty, our duty to live by faith, our duty to live by faith and not by, by sight, that we can be a people who are in uncertain circumstances. We can be people who are it, uncertain about life itself, but we can be certain in the one thing in our faith and knowing that God sent his son to die on the cross to, and he was raised to life to give us eternal life. Like that is the one truth that we need to bank everything on. It's what holds us. It's what gives us purpose. And, and if you don't, what ends up happening is we can end up thinking a version of God, what God is like, and we end up worshiping those things instead of God himself. And so that's why, you know, when Paul says that we walk and we, you know, walk by faith and not by sight, he's really, well, then you really have to ask the question, you know, like, well, then what is faith? You know, what am I having faith in? What is going to keep me grounded? Because I've, I'm called to walk by faith and not by sight. There's something that I need to, what, what am I having faith in? And, and, and so the thing is, is can we do our duty, this, this duty of walking by faith and not by sight when it seems like heaven has been shut up for us? When it seems like, God, you're far away. I don't know where you're, you're at, you know, a lot sometimes we we want to live on the highs on the mountains we want to live where things are illuminated we want to live where things are going great but it's actually in those times you know Jesus never lived always on the high moments we not only are we called to be with him in in you know the joys but also in his sorrow he was a man of many sorrows too so he endured suffering and so we are also called to endure suffering because if we think well i just want to live my life with knowing well yes god makes everything work together for the good of his people but what happens when it doesn't go your way because if it when it doesn't go your way we end up becoming unaware that God is still right there like he's still present but because of maybe a bad theology or a mindset that well if God is real then this wouldn't be happening but that's simply not true because that is that is something that we can think but we as believers need to ground our faith and not in our circumstances but in in the truth of what he did on the cross Amen. Amen. That is what grounds us. That's what keeps us. And if if it doesn't keep you or if you're not aware that that's what your faith should be in, I pray that tonight you would be reminded that your faith needs to be secured in what he's already done. That is the truth. That is what sustains us. That's what's going to sustain you in this hour um, as the years go by. I mean, we, I think of so many so many different uh, messages of, you know, what uh, Pastor Brandon was talking about, what sustains us, having a sustaining love for God. Pastor R, he's been talking about going back to our first love, the basics, you know, those things. Those are what keeps us, it's what keeps us grounded. Um, that is the core of our faith is, is, is knowing him, loving him, and, and, and out of that flows everything else. And so we have to be very careful, though, if there are times when the Lord is coming to us, you know, um, in those moments where things are just like, oh, man, God, you amazed me, like how you showed up. And it's amazing when he does that, because when we our hearts are postured towards him, he does show up. 
But be careful not to live in those moments. <laughs> be careful to know that those moments, yes, are moments, but the moments behind those are the private intimacies that you have with the Lord himself outside of the church, outside of these walls. And, and, and so if we live only for those things, we're living then for sight because we're wanting something tangible right then and there. I want, I, we live sometimes for an experience. I want to cry. I want, and it's not, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with crying when you're worshiping. There's, there, there's, it's, we're submitting our emotions under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens. He begins to touch us. He begins to move us. But what happens when he doesn't do that and he doesn't come in the way you expect? <laughs> Does, do you begin to say, well, Lord, I tried, but you didn't show up. It's simply not true because it doesn't line up with the word of God. God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He's always here. And so that's simply just a lie. And so you, we have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And, and, and so if we find ourselves li living and chasing after those types of moments, it's really a sign that it's not God that we want. It's the moment that we want. It's the thrill that we want. It's the high or whatever you want to call it. It's, it. it's that what you want. But let us be reminded tonight, the Lord wants us to be reminded that it's not about those things. It's about him. It's just about him. And our standard shouldn't be the moments or the highs or the, the, the gratifications of those things. Like, like, like I said, he comes and when he comes, he breaks change. He can do anything. But that shouldn't be our standard. Our standard should be, I'm going to believe, I'm going to walk in faith and knowing what you did was more than enough for me, Jesus. Like, this was more than enough. And even if you don't show up the way I think you're going to show up, you are still good. You're still faithful. You're still all-knowing. You're still, I, you still have me in the palm of your hand. You still chose me before I chose you. You still died for me. I can't do any of those things. And that's what has to be at the forefront of our minds, of our hearts. And, and, and so I pray that we as a people may that day come for us where we as believers, as we gather, we're known for what Jesus did for us. That Jesus died for us. Like this is what Jesus isn't just a bridge to, to something. He's not a means to an end. He's an end in himself. So we don't draw near to God because, you know, we want to grow our church. We don't draw near to God because we want to see our small groups expand. We don't draw near to God because whatever, whatever you can, why, ask yourself, why do I draw near to God? I think that's the, that's the most, you have to ask yourself, why do I draw near to you, God? Because the truth is, we are to draw near to him because he's eternal life. He's the bread of life. That's it. He is all. He's in all. <laughs> he, he, he is everything. That is it. He is, he is the king of glory. He is the eternal king, period. No matter what he has done for, for what he's going to do, I believe that he will do exceedingly and abundantly like his word says, amen, but... I come and I draw to near to him because of who he is. There's a holy reverence and awareness like, Lord, like how holy you are, how just you are, how perfect you are. And, and so that question again, you know, it's we walk by faith. 
you know, that, that scripture, well, then what do we believe in? And I, and, you know, um, Pastor Art, when you were saying about 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love, I started, God, God began to, I, I wrote it down and then I started thinking, well, faith, hope, and love. And then Paul, yeah, did say the greatest of these is love. But then I said, well, why does he say the greatest of these is love? And he said, well, and then I started to break down, well, faith, hope, and love. Faith, I have to ask myself, faith in what? Right? Faith in believing the basics that God sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins, that we were made right in God's sight. That's what Romans chapter 5, it talks about that. There's there's faith, there's joy in this faith that we have. You know, um, it says in, in uh, Romans 5, 9, he, or actually 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. For us. So faith then is believing in this truth. That is where our faith needs to be grounded in. That Jesus, Christ our Lord, he died for us, and we are made right in God's sight by this truth, this one truth. This is the truth. So this is what grounds your faith, is if you believe in this, <laughs> what he has said, what he's done. And then it says Romans 5, 9, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And so there's this, you have to ask yourself, what then is my faith in? My faith is needs to be rooted in this one truth. This is a big truth. Some truths rest on greater truths, but this truth informs everything else that we do. I am saved by the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. That is it. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not what I do. I can't earn it. This is the truth. And if that big T is not your truth, then every other little T will be the defining moment of your life, of your walk with the Lord. And if that's the case, then you will become deceived. You will exchange the truth for a lie. This is the truth that he calls us to, of, to believe that, yes, I sent my son for you. And it brings joy. It brings joy that there's no more condemnation in this world and in, in and after this world. I have received eternal life through the perfect sacrifice of Christ for what he's done for us. It says, it goes on even in saying this, it says, verse 2 of Romans chapter 5, it says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So this faith, like I said, right, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, or is it, right, did, it, did I get that? Oh, 2 Corinthians, oh no, 1 Corinthians, sorry about that. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, 13, he says, faith, hope, and love, greatest of these is love. Faith in what? Faith in believing that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. This gives us hope for what's to come. And, and, you know, this hope then, there's a future glory awaiting us. This hope, it says in Romans 5, 5, this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. 
because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Father and the Son, they, the Father sent his Son and the Son, Jesus died, and then he went back up to heaven, and then we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that was living in Jesus lives within us, and he, he fills our lives, and he enables us to actually walk and live uh, by faith and not by sight to live in his power because it's the same spirit that was in God and this is the hope that we we have that one day he's going to come back and we'll meet him face to face you'll see him face to face because you've been given eternal life through the laying down of Jesus Christ's body and the blood that he shed and because he did that I have hope that I will see him again Amen. I will see him again face to face. What he looks like. I can touch him. I just like Thomas did. He didn't he didn't even care. Yeah, he, I mean, he did say, you know, like, you know, blessed are those who believe, you know, because they haven't seen. But you know what? Jesus let him touch his side. <laughs> Jesus let him see the holes in his hands. He is real, a real man that was pierced for you and I, a real man that, that, that shed his blood. And, and that is something that he didn't stay in the grave. He's alive today. And this is the, the faith that we have. I have faith in knowing that I have eternal life now today. I don't have to earn it. This is the truth, the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ laid his life down and he's going to come back and I have hope now. I have hope in what he's going to do. I have hope to live another day because his spirit is living within me. I have hope because there is the mercies of God that, that are with me and that, that every day his mercies are new. So I can come after him and seek him and, and, and want to know him and I have this hope that he's going to show up. He shows up that he's here. I have this hope that I can call on him that, Lord, you will come because those who draw near to you, you draw near to them. The hope is not wishful thinking. The hope is rooted in the faith. So it's not, well, I hope this happens. No, the word of God, this is truth. So God wants to stir your faith when you're reading his word to mark your life with a life that's filled with hope that what he said he's going to do, who he is, that believe in who he is. And, and so faith, hope, and love, right? So we have faith in the sacrifice. We, we hope for what's to come. And then he says love. The greatest of these is love. And I ask, why did you... Why is the greatest of these is love? And the Lord's like, because I'm love, Des. Because <laughs> God is love. And, 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 and it's like, that's why. Aha, right? First Corinthians says that. But we have to ask the question, that if love is the greatest, then what is love? And if I ask what is love, then I have to ask, well, if God is love, then what is he like? You have to ask that question. If you're love, God, then what are you like? He wants to reveal himself to you. What are you like? I want to know you. I want to know what you like. I want to know your nature. I want to know your desires. I'm so in love with you. I want to know you. I want to know you. And I pray that we'd be a people that begin to ask questions like that. If, if you're love, then what are you like? 
reveal yourself to me. He's so faithful to reveal. This is the hope that you have because he says that the Holy Spirit will teach you in remembrance of all things that I have said. That's what he told the disciples, right? He says, I'm going to leave. Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going to have someone with you. And I'm going, the Holy Spirit's going to help you, teach you, bring you back into remembrance. So when you begin to ask those types of questions, he's so faithful into revealing himself. He's so faithful into doing that. And, and, and you know, that first John 4, 16, he, he, he showed me that when, he, when I said, well, what's the greatest? He said, love is greatest. It says that, but it's because I'm love. God is love, First John 4, 16. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. There's that hope. We're not afraid. We have hope. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So if God is love, right, then who is God and what is he like? That is the question that you, I pray that you begin to ask as you read your word. What are you like? What are you trying to reveal about yourself to me as I read your word? He wants to reveal himself to his sons and his daughters. And we think of when I was studying, uh, you know, God is love, you know, when we think, well, God, who are you? What are you like? We think about the fruit of the spirit, those, the, you know, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those are all characteristics of the father. They're all characteristics of the father, of his nature. But God, this is the truth, that he is holy, that he is just, and that he is perfect. That is truth. That is, God is not a wooden little idol. God is not the idea that you think in your head. God is holy. God is just and he, he, he is perfect. And when we know that, we have a truth that rests on a biblical narrative. It's not a countercultural narrative. It's not the narrative that you're being fed on social media. It's not the narrative that you're being fed from maybe a time of go where there was, you know, an interaction you had in another church or wherever where you've had a bad representation of who God is. No, God is holy, he's just, and he's perfect, but a lot of times the ca- there's a countercultural uh, narrative of love, a counterfeit of holiness. Holiness is, is being set apart, right? But there's a longing. The, 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 the holiness can become perverted in the sense of a longing for exclusivity, a longing for reverence from someone, a, a longing to be justified of validated in our nature, in our sinful nature. I'll point that out. That's the counterfeit. To be validated in sinful nature. That's why Romans 1 talks about that, right? They exchange the truth of God for a a lie. Men exchange relationships that were natural for men and women with women. And they begin to invent their own ways. We begin to justify our sinful nature. But the truth has to rest on the big T. And the big T is that God is holy and God is just and God is perfect. And and, and this is why he sent his son. So that we were sinners on our way to death. While we were utterly helpless, it talks about in Romans. Christ came at the right time. That's the truth. In perfection, God is perfect, but there's a counterfeit 
that, that says it's, well, no, my choice, my ways. I, not him. But God is love. His word says he's love. This is true love, that he laid down his life. His love explains why he created us, because he loves you. He loves us. This, this is why he, he cares for us. He cared so much that he didn't want to not be with you. That he gave up his only son. And now this kind of love is free to choose. You have a choice. We have a choice. Freedom to choose because God doesn't want someone who doesn't love him. He wants a loving response from, from, uh, from a son, a daughter, from, from anyone, from a human. He wants a loving response from you. <laughs> he doesn't want you to have to love him because you have to love him. He wants you to make that choice, and that's the choice that you have to make. No one else can make it for you. Your mom, your dad, your aunt, your cousins, whatever you grew up in, no one can make that choice for you because he, he, he allows us to choose him. But just know that the truth is that he chose you first. <laughs> that's the truth, the greatest truth. That's one of the truths. He chose you. He chose to love us before we loved him. And, and, and so... There's, you know, this love, it's, it's like, man, like, why, it, it shows why he died, he, why he sent Jesus to die. He wanted a, he, he provided a solution, and now it's why we have eternal life. So his love, it, it constantly expresses itself to us forever, forever, because he is forever and ever, and he reigns forever and ever. And so this love, it's, I could never make atonement for myself. I could never do what God did. It even talks about in Romans, like, now someone who maybe was of good, you know, standing may lay their life down. <laughs> but Jesus laid down his life for sinners. What kind of love is this? I can't even explain it or understand it. And even to this day, I still can't understand that he would send his son to die for us. Like, I can't understand it. I, I'm like, whoa, Lord, why would you do that? But that is the love of God. It will have you asking him questions over and over and saying, I made you desirable. I made you desirable. It was nothing that you did. It was my mercies. It was my kindness. It was not what you did. I did this because I love you, the heart of a father. That says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And this is why I love you. It's like, but why? I love you. But why? I love you. <laughs> like, you could keep asking questions. And he's like, but I love you. <laughs> but, but what about, I love you. <laughs> he interrupts it. <laughs> I love you. It's the love of the father that sent his son for you. That is the truth. Perfect love. He is perfect love. He made a way for us to love him, to be with him, to have communion with him, and to experience him. I don't have to make a case for it. This is real love, 1 John 4.10. Not that we loved God, amen, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is what the church, what we need to be known for. 
that Jesus laid his life down for us. And we love him because he loved us first. Such love has no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. First John 4, 18 says that there's no more fear of rejection. I don't have to fear rejection. I don't have to fear what other people think. I don't have to fear being accepted. I don't have to fear anything like that because Jesus came the complete expression of God in human form, fully God, fully man. He revealed himself to us. Jesus. This is who my hope is in. This is who my my faith is in, my hope is in. And this is why that love is the greatest, because he is love. And so we give him, you know, we give him our hearts. We give him our eyes to take delight in truth, in his truth. It says, it, you know, it, in Proverbs 26, 18, it says, Oh, my son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. And we have to ask ourselves that, that question. Lord, do I give you my heart? Have I made it resolute to walk in your ways? To, take, to let my eyes take delight in following you? We have to give him our heart and steward what we delight in. You give him your heart and you have to steward what you delight in. What do you fix your eyes on? We have to make a choice. We resolve in our hearts that it's the one thing. He is the one thing that I'm after. Not the moments. We can make a fetish out of moments. Not the moments. I don't care about the moments. It's him. It's him. Jesus. It's you that I'm after. That's what marked David's life. That's what he says in Psalms 27, I long the one thing, the one thing. He could have asked for lots of things. The one thing. He, he didn't even ask to reign forever and ever, but because he, his heart was tuned to the heart of the Father, God's like, oh, like you're going to, you know, your, your people follow my commands. And, and, but the, this, this one other condition, it was unconditional that there will be someone in your line that's going to reign forever and ever and ever. He didn't ask that. He was, he was so in communion with the Father. And, and, and even in this, where Psalms 27, he says, the one thing I ask, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Come and talk to me. It says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Do you hear him tonight where he says, daughter, son, come and talk with me. And David says, my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. I'm running after you. I'm going to be in alignment and posture my heart towards you. I long to behold you, to dwell in your house, to gaze upon who you are. That is what David set his eyes on. That's what marked his life. And when, he, when his posture was turned that way, 
Faith was grounded and rooted in his heart. Faith in not the circumstances, faith in not the wars around him, none of that. It was grounded in who God was. And, and the same question is uh, raised to you tonight and for you to, to ponder and think about tonight. That what is my faith in? Is it in the big T? Is it in the truth that the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, the blood that he shed, is this what my faith is grounded on? He loves you. He loves us. He created you because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with us. And, and, and I just want to share that tonight as before we get into worship so that you can think about the, the sacrifice that he did. <laughs> and I'll have the worship team come up and um, they're going to start um, just, just playing um, their instruments. But I just, I, I pray right now that your heart would be turned to him tonight. That your faith would be stirred and not in what he's going to do, but in who he is. That he would reveal himself to you tonight, to you personally, and that your hope is grounded in that faith, that it's Jesus, the eternal king, Jesus, the savior, the one who saves this is who our faith is in. This is who our hope is in. This is who we rest our, our lives and we rest in his love. This love that we can never, we, we can never exchange or, or, or do. It's, it, it's what he did. Amen. So I'm just, you know, we're, we're going to worship the Lord. And something that we're learning is, you know, worship is coming into agreement. 